Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Ariel Weiss, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Philadelphia, where she's been teaching since 1988. She has a background in movement and dance. Uh, she earned her master's degree from Wesleyan University, and in addition to her private practice in, in Philadelphia, she teaches the Alexander Technique at the Curtis Institute of Music, and the University of the Arts, which are both in Philadelphia, and she has served as a guest faculty uh, member for the Philadelphia School for the Alexander Technique, which is a teacher training program in Philadelphia. And Ariel and I are going to talk today about the topic sitting with support and how the Alexander Technique can, can help that. Uh, Ariel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Robert. I wonder if you could begin by giving our lis listeners a very brief uh, description of the Alexander Technique and then say a word or two about what, what you mean by sitting with support. I'd be happy to. Alexander Technique is really a study of human coordination in that it looks at how we kind of consider ourselves or think and how that affects how we move and how we function. And the Alexander Technique really takes a look at how when we strain ourselves, we are interfering with our best functioning. And so the technique is a way to kind of optimize our very best functioning, whether that's sitting in a chair or running a marathon or playing a piece of music. Mm -hmm. And then sitting with support. What, 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 is, what is, do you mean by that phrase? Well, I'm very interested in people optimizing their best support when they sit because people do a lot of sitting these days and they do a lot of sitting in a way that really ends up making them very uncomfortable or even people hurt themselves. At the very least, they kind of interfere again with that best functioning. So most of the time I find my students just assume that sitting is going to make them uncomfortable and they don't really understand that there are things they can do to sit with more support and be more comfortable and more effective in what they're doing while they sit. Mm -hmm. And by support, could you just elaborate on that a little bit, that phrase, support? Well, I think I'm using that term mostly in terms of physical support. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm quite fond of quoting Newton on this one because Newton tells us that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, if I'm not misquoting mm -hmm. that too terribly. That's right, yeah. <laughs> first <laughs> and, law of uh, physics, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, anyway. First um, law of motion, my maybe. Physics, <laughs> my physics studies were a long time ago, but right. I did remember that one. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time people think that gravity is just overtaking them and kind of responsible for all that downward pressure and what they haven't quite really fully recognized is that there's just as much force in response to gravity up through themselves and supporting them up from the chair and up from the floor mm -hmm. so in my mind when I talk about sitting with support it's about kind of balancing out what people are paying attention to and kind of optimizing what's going to make them comfortable and flexible and effective. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can certainly echo the idea that a lot of people uh, who come for Alexander lessons have an idea that gravity is the enemy. 
Mm-hmm. And I, in, in my view, and I assume in yours as well, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, gravity is really a, a very helpful force if we know how to organize ourselves to respond properly to it. Exactly. And I assume that that's what you're talking about with, with sitting with support. So what would be the, the first step that someone who is interested in pursuing this idea of applying Alexander, the Alexander Technique ideas to sitting, what would be the very first thing they might want to do? Well, I think the very good starting place would be to kind of debunk the myth that there's such a thing as sitting still. We're not very still as humans. We're really not designed to be very still. And I think people get in a whole lot of trouble when they stiffen themselves and make themselves still when they sit. Mm-hmm. And so I think I start there most often. And I do that in a number of ways. One idea is to ask people to take a break. Sometimes I even ask my students to set the alarm on their computer because I find a computer is a place that people sit for long periods of time without any attention to themselves and where they really start to be very still and stiff. Mm-hmm. So, so this even, idea... even just the idea that one, one should find a right position is is actually counterproductive, right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so if I start talking about finding movement inside of sitting, then I'm hoping to kind of detour that little myth that there's that I'm going to show them the right position because there is not a right position. There's free movement, there's good balance, but there isn't really a, a right position. Mhm. Because there's always movement. There is always movement. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And then what would, how would you follow up on that? Well, from there, I often ask people to kind of open up their sensory mechanism. In other words, when people sit, they're often engaged in a task, and they're, they're often kind of narrowing what information they're letting in. So, again, if we look at sitting at a computer as an example, when people are at the computer, they're often so focused in such a narrow way, visually, on the screen in front of them, that they really are not letting in any other information, uh, maybe even through their auditory sense, or maybe through their tactile or sense of touch. And certainly, rarely, unfortunately, letting information in through their kinesthetic sense, which is their sense of movement. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to play with my students and kind of talking them through a way to pay attention to that other sensory information. So I'll ask them to feel their feet on the floor. I'll ask them to notice what surfaces of them are contacting the chair that's holding them up. So the back of their legs the bottom of their pelvis, the back surface of them, and perhaps even their arms might be on the armrests of their chair. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so let's say someone has, has worked through that. What, mm-hmm. what would be uh, 
what would be the next step? Well, then I would ask them to kind of notice where their weight is being supported and to kind of really let the chair be a good partner in that. So a lot of times when when we sit, people kind of pull down or collapse themselves in a way that puts their weight oftentimes into their low backs, sometimes into their bellies, uh, and even more strangely, up in their shoulders, which is a kind of interesting choice. Sort of lifting themselves up, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Yes, yeah. pulling themselves forward. Pulling themselves up or forward, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we kind of talk through what is a really good use of their design, which would be to support their weight through their hip joints and through the bottom of their pelvis, through their sit bones, right into the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's um, helpful. I, I don't know whether you have a, a little skeleton available that you show people, but it can be very useful for people to actually see those little the the sit the sit bones that you're talking about. They're little rockers, really, and they're perfectly yeah. designed both to support your weight in sitting and to allow for easy movement. Exactly. And a lot of people, when they sit, tend to sit back on their sacrum more. And so they've kind yes. of lost that support. And, of course, that puts a tremendous amount of strain on their back and can lead to all sorts of uh, unpleasant uh, unpleasant things. So I, I would say for anyone wanting to work a little bit on their own, even with, with sitting sitting more easily, it would be pretty useful to take a look at uh, either a skeleton or um, perhaps a very simple basic anatomy book and just see where those sits bones are and maybe even uh, feel them on yourself. Put your hands under your yes. your bottom when you're sitting and you should be able to feel two little, two little pro- really kind of projections downward from your pelvis and they are perfectly designed for sitting. Right. I like to tease people and say they don't call them sitting bones for nothing. Yes. No, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, so and I think it's a yeah. great idea, and I would even take it a step further, Robert. Not only do I have a skeleton at my studio, but I have one that I actually bring with me when I do demonstrations, mm-hmm. and I sit the skeleton in a chair mm-hmm. and show people that that skeleton is able to balance all on its own without any other support. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not exactly accurate for what we are because we have many more systems and parts than just a skeletal system. But when you show people that that skeleton will balance all on its very own, right on its sit bones, first you show them where the skeleton is balancing on its pelvis, on its sitting bones, and it starts to kind of demystify this idea that sitting takes so much work because mm-hmm. really if we're in balance it takes some work but maybe not as much as we think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think people have um, a, an idea that sitting requires a lot more uh work than than in fact it does and that and that in turn tends to produce that extra effort i think you're right yeah. yes 
So what, what else would you say to someone who wants to, um, to improve the, the way in which they sit? Well, I think where I would go next, Robert, would be to encourage people to explore movement. Uh, and I've come to call these joints our prime movers, kind of uh, riffing on Alexander's theme of primary pattern a little bit. I show people how they can move quite freely from the very top of their spine at what we call the top joints or the plantooccipital joints. So that is the place where our skulls are resting in nice balance on top of our spines, kind of behind our nose, in from our ears. Mm-hmm. And that if we kind of have an understanding of movement at that place, so that when we look down or when we look at our computer, if we're letting movement happen quite freely there, and then also finding movement with great ease and flexibility down in our hip joints, which when we're sitting are quite far down, kind of in our lap, if you will, that when we're going to come forward uh, in sitting, maybe we have to reach for something or we have to see something more clearly, that we want to move way down in those hip joints by rocking on those sit bones as opposed to bending at our waist. Mm-hmm. That that's a very different organization, a very different movement. So I, I show people where those joints are, and then we kind of explore letting those joints be very available for movement. So a first step in that is to actually learn on yourself where those joints are. And um, I'm sure your experience is the same as mine, that most people have absolutely no idea for example, where their head rests on top of their spine or, and, where, and, and where the movement of their head takes place. They typically tend to think it's in the back of their neck or sometimes even on the back of the head itself. Yes. So it, it's a huge revelation to people to learn that, uh, well, as you say, if you, if you were to put your fingers, a couple, a finger on each side at right angles to, to your, the holes of your ears, right mm-hmm. in the middle, that's the top of your spine, and that's where movement takes place. And for most people, that's way far forward and up from where they might imagine. In fact, you know, it's pretty close to eye level, which is a real shock for people. Okay. Yeah, it's only about, what, a half an inch or three-quarters of an inch below your eyes. It's very high Yes. Up. And lately, I've even been inviting my students to kind of put their tongue at the back of their, the back of their throat, Robert, because uh-huh. the top joints are also kind of right behind that soft palate. Oh, so you could, you could, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another, so that's another way of mapping it on yourself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I guess another thing we might want to say about uh, where, where the hip joints are located most people tend to uh, think their hip joints are somewhere around where their belt is or where their waist is. And again, that's incorrect mapping and leads to uh, inefficient uh, movement. Hip joints are, are considerably lower than that. And yes. uh, it's very, very important to know where you are in re- relation to a chair and w- what moves and what doesn't move efficiently. So that seems like really basic information for anyone who wants to learn how to sit well. 
Absolutely. And again, using a skeleton is, is a wonderful tool because you can show people, and I often do, the motion at the hip joints, the femur coming into the pelvis, is a very large, sturdy ball and socket joint that's designed both for a great amount of movement in one place mm -hmm. and quite capable of supporting quite a bit of weight. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you show them when they bend at their waist that they're using a much smaller joint, yes, that's mm -hmm. not designed for a whole lot of movement in one place. The spine is designed for a whole lot of movement cumulatively throughout the whole span of the spine. But there's no hinge in our spine at our waist. And so putting a lot of movement in one place is not only inefficient and not quite right with how that spine is designed, but it causes quite a bit of discomfort in people. And when people look at the structure itself, they can see that. They can start to see that. So then, of course, we take the visual information and the idea and we put it right into movement. So we have people kind of feel for their sit bones right underneath their, their seat mm -hmm. and we, we feel how they're rounded kind of knobs, almost like rocking chair rockers. Mm -hmm. And you, you get to direct people to start rocking on their rockers and they can even put their fingers down and feel where their torso is kind of creasing and folding over their legs deep into their hip sockets. And then they can start to understand that that's using their hip sockets to come forward. And then you have them kind of bend from their waist and see that their pelvis hasn't moved at all. And that's a very different action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do, uh, any other suggestions you would have for someone who wants to learn how to sit more, more easily? Well, I find that people often strain themselves quite heartily throughout their arms and necks and shoulders when they are sitting. And so there's a couple things they can pay attention to that would help. Uh, the first is to kind of understand that for balance and sitting, really at its most basic, we want the weight of our skull balancing over the weight of our pelvis. Mm -hmm. That if somehow we've pulled our head forward in space, we're, we're then balancing our head out over what I call the ether or mm -hmm. out over our lap. Mm -hmm. And then what we've done is we've put our neck muscles uh, to great effort constantly to, to hold on for dear life. And so that if we kind of pay attention in a, in a more relational way to where our head is over our support, which would be our pelvis, then our neck starts to have a little bit more of a break and it's not going to pull in our shoulders and, and arms as much as well. And, and that pattern of uh, kind of pushing uh, your head and neck forward in space, uh, that, that is really exacerbated uh, for a lot of people by video display terminals, by computer screens that there's a kind of a tendency to want to get your eyes a little closer to what you're looking at. Exactly. And then that, that kind of pushing forward of your head and neck. And actually, the amount further forward that you get your eyes is pretty negligible, but it's enough to really uh, kind of destroy the whole balance of your head on top of your spine. In fact, you're not really 
when you're doing that, your head is no longer in balance. It's ha it, you have to hold it up, and that requires a lot of work. I think it's pretty useful for people to know that their head is weighs a lot, maybe 10 to 12 pounds for most people. And if that weight is not nicely balanced on top of your spine, then everything else in your body has to figure out how to compensate for that. So... Exactly. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning too, I think, Robert, that if we're going to look at this habit of pulling our heads off balance by reaching forward in order to see something, that they might spend some time looking at where their computer monitor is and they mm -hmm. might even want to pull it towards them that extra inch or two or pull their chair in mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. so that they're not asking their neck to make up that focal distance but they're kind of using all sides of the equation to their to their best benefit right right and and while we're on the subject of what i suppose could be called some ergonomic considerations here yes um, there, uh, there. I found, and I got this idea from uh, an Alexander teacher named uh, Galen Krantz, who's a professor of um, architecture, actually at mm. University of California in Berkeley, who wrote a a wonderful book about ten years ago called The Chair, oh, in, okay. in which he goes through the whole history of the chair. But she also talks about the advantage of having sitting in a chair that's a bit higher than the normal mm. one. And uh, when I first read that, I, I, I thought that sounded crazy, but I, I gave it a try. And <laughs> honestly, I would never use a chair sitting at a desk anymore. I use a stool, which is uh -huh. about one and a half times the height of a chair. It's a pretty standard size and, uh, stool and has no back on it either. And I find that incredibly comfortable. As she points out, that really, uh, t sitting with your knees a, a bit lower than your hips, yes. encourages um, the the basic natural upward uh, release of your spine just by itself without any yes. Alexander inter intervention. So what I do with my students is I tell them, spend 20 bucks at Target, get a, get a stool, Mm -hmm. And just have it available and use it uh, for a while. And if it's uncomfortable, switch back to the chair, but don't force yourself to use it. And I'd say a good two-thirds of my students within a few days are, are have given up their chair and are just using a stool, a flat, usually circular, mm -hmm. uh, I, mine's wooden, um, stool. And it also has the effect of not only helping your spine release up, but also it, it enables you to make movements in all directions. If you want to reach over to one side to pick up the phone, it's very easy to do on that kind of a surface. Those, those sits bones that we've been talking mm -hmm. about don't just allow a rocking forward and back movement, but allow movement to the sides and mm -hmm. wherever you want to go. And then you have little... Uh, foot rests or bars across on the bottom of the school, stool so you t you have all kinds of options for putting your feet in different positions so there's it tends to in my experience it tends to encourage mobility which is probably a pretty good thing for anyone who's sitting for a long time at a desk 
So that's yeah. that's my ergonomic tip. And of course, also uh, <laughs> you're higher up, and you may have to adjust your keyboard and and monitor if that's what you're working with. But I find it's a little easier looking at a computer screen if I'm looking ever so slightly down on it mm-hmm. rather than looking up on it. Mm-hmm. So th- there's another sort of. I guess we would call it an ergonomic consideration. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I'll just uh, add briefly another solution and another ergonomic solution along a similar line is I encourage people to buy a wedge pillow mm-hmm. that does the same thing in that it raises the pelvis up so that your pelvis can be higher than your knees and What's nice about getting a pillow like that is it's quite easy to take with you. So, for instance, mm-hmm. my professional musicians that I see, mm-hmm. um, especially the taller ones, really have a difficult time when they go and do different gigs around and the chairs really are not so comfortable for them or hurt them very well. And if they have this little cushion with them, they can make whatever chair they encounter fit them a little bit better. So that's also a nice Absolutely. Tip. Absolutely. So if you are if you are if you have to sit in a regular chair, especially a chair that's not all that well designed, then that would make a huge a huge difference. Um, I think if you have a stool that's uh, higher than a chair, you probably don't need that wedge because you've already exactly. elevated your your hips relative to your to your knees. Uh, Ariel, do you have anything else that you'd like to add to what we've talked about so far? Well, you know, we could probably talk all day long about sitting, right. but I think we've hit the major points and just encouraging people both to pay attention to themselves to allow all their senses to kind of be lively and tuned in, Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of educate themselves about their structural support Mm -hmm. and kind of all the possibilities for free and flexible movement. I think that's a pretty good start to sitting more comfortably. I I would agree. And um, I I think it might be worth just mentioning that, that the kinds of things that we've been talking about, which are largely inspired by our experience with the Alexander Technique, tend to go against what most uh, most uh, postural advice suggests. I mean, typically, if you're reading the paper and someone said, and there's a little article about how to avoid uh, strain sitting, they'll, they'll say things like, sit up straight or hold your shoulders back mm-hmm. or... That sort of thing, and um, unfortunately, that that's not just uh, useless advice, but actually, pretty much, in my experience anyway, pretty much always bad advice, and harmful. Harmful, yeah. Yes. It's, it's as harmful as a parent telling their kid to sit up straight, which, again, is not uh, is not really a useful thing to do for all kinds of reasons that maybe we don't have time to get in. <laughs> to now, but um, it is kind of sad that most of the advice that people are given for this kind of thing really are not is not very good. It's not helpful advice. Anyway, um, enough of that rant. Um, my uh, my guest today has been Ariel Weiss, who teaches the Alexander Technique in Philadelphia, 
and uh, is uh, t also, t in addition to her private practice, teaches uh, at the Curtis Institute of Music, the University of the Arts, and she's a guest faculty member of the Philadelphia School for the Alexander Technique, which is a training uh, program for uh, Alexander teachers. Ariel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Robert.